welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. From the very beginning, the Word was with God. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Good News Translation. Hello and Happy New Year! I'm Victoria Kay. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. That's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S-E-A-B-O-O-K-S dot com. We're excited to be with you at the start of this new year, and we pray that this year will bring joy and blessings to all of our listeners, especially the joy of having a closer fellowship with our Lord, Christ Jesus. Today on Anchored by Truth, we're going to start the new year with a new and frankly novel series. As just about everyone knows, the Christian faith in America has been subjected to more challenges in the last decade than probably in the first two centuries of the country's existence. So, as we open up this new year, we want to discuss a subject that has particular relevance in our day and time, being able to demonstrate that the Christian faith has a firm basis in reason and evidence. R.D. has entitled this series, Eternal Information. So. We have R.D. Fierro, who is an author and the founder of Crystal Sea Books, in the studio today. R.D., why did you decide we need to take a special look at the topic of information? Well, I would also like to say Happy New Year to everyone. We hope everyone had a great Christmas season, and we hope that they're looking forward to the next year with a sense of anticipation and joy, and we hope they'll spend some time with us during the new year learning about God, learning about the Bible and spending some more time thinking carefully about their faith, and especially why their faith is true. Because that's the whole theme of Anchored by Truth, to demonstrate that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. And we know that by the testimony of the Holy Spirit internally, but we can also know that by making informed observations of the universe around us and applying a little logic and reason to the evidence that we can obtain. I wanted to take some time on Anchored by Truth, spend a few episodes focusing on information, in part because of a book that I came across not too long ago called In the Beginning Was Information. The book was written by a German information scientist named Dr. Werner Gitt. Dr. Gett was a director and professor at the German Federal Institute of Physics and Technology, and he was the head of the Department of Information Technology there. Obviously, Dr. Gett knows a thing or two about information. Obviously, and just as obviously, the title of Dr. Gitt's book is a play on the verses of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and the Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 1. And we heard John chapter 1, verse 1 in our opening scripture today. In the New International Version, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 reads, quote, In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, Those are certainly two of the most famous verses in the Bible. 
Yes, they are. So when I heard about Dr. Gitt's book, I became intrigued because just hearing the title of his book made me look at those two verses in a different light. It's not just that the title calls to mind Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and the Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 1. It's that it made me start thinking about how the undeniable existence of information gives us a whole new way of demonstrating to an unbelieving world that it is impossible to form a coherent view of life and the universe without acknowledging the existence of God. And helping spread the awareness that you must acknowledge God to have a coherent worldview is one of the ideas that we focus on here at Anchored by Truth and is becoming increasingly important even with the Church. We live in an age where our historical cultural consensus has shifted. Some commentators have said that we are now living in a post-Christian world. For people who are not believers, this means that they live in a world that has gone beyond the constraints and narrowness of Christianity. Fewer people, as a percentage of the population, belong to churches than in generations past, and many of the mainline churches are experiencing declines not only in membership, but in influence on society, government, education, family, and even the culture as a whole. As we look around us, we see that young people are far more consumed by the death of an entertainer than the death and resurrection of Jesus. We also see that more people are consumed by concern for contemporary pleasures than their eternal destiny. This is obviously dangerous to individual destinies, but it's also dangerous to the destiny of our communities and nation. Exactly. People within the church have been warning of the danger that we're facing for decades, but the danger has only grown during those decades. We want to point people back to the eternal truth that there is a God and that God has a plan not only for people, but for communities, nations, and the world. We don't want to just proclaim the truth, though it is obviously important that we do that. We also want to explain the evidence and the reasons behind our belief. And it turns out that the concept of information forms an extremely powerful line of evidence that points to the fact that God's existence cannot be reasonably denied without abandoning any claim of living a life that is guided by logic and reason. You know, it's not simply enough to point out the danger that comes from abandoning God. We also have to do what we can to turn people away from the danger. And the danger posed by abandoning God has been recognized for quite a while now. Almost three decades ago, in their book, 1994, Handbook of Christian Apologetics, Peter Kreeft and Ronald Ticelli, who are both professors of the philosophy of religion at Boston College, said the following, quote, Western civilization is for the first time in its history in danger of dying. The reason is spiritual. It is losing its life, its soul. That soul was the Christian faith. The infection killing it is not multiculturalism, other faiths, but the monoculturalism of secularism. No faith, no soul. Our century has been marked by genocide, sexual chaos, and money worship. Unless all the prophets are liars, we are doomed unless we repent. The Church of Christ will never die, but our civilization will. If the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, this world certainly won't. We do apologetics not to save the church, but to save the world, Well, before we go too much further, 
we want to acknowledge someone who has been very important to our show, Dr. Greg Alexander. Dr. Alexander practiced medicine in Tallahassee, Florida for over four decades, but more importantly for us, he led a Sunday school class in his church for more than 25 years. Dr. Alexander is extremely thoughtful and insightful. We are indebted to him because his counsel and insight, especially about apologetics, has been extremely valuable, and elements of it are going to appear throughout this series. We may not always have time to acknowledge a particular example of his contributions, so we just want to acknowledge his importance and value right up front. So, how do you want to start? Well, let's take a look at a seemingly innocuous example of something that you hear people say every day that actually has profound implications. How often do you say to someone, or have you heard someone say to you, send me your information? I imagine that phrase, send me your information, is probably said thousands or millions of times a day all over the world. But what does it mean? For most people, it means send me your contact information, such as phone number, email address, possibly your job or office information, and these days, rarely, your mailing address. In other words, send me your information is another way of saying, how can I get hold of you? I agree. We ask for people to give us their information without a second thought. And similarly, we don't think very much about the way that they are going to send us that information. These days, it will probably be electronically more often than not, but even with electronic transmission, the actual media will vary. Some people might use email, others might use text messages, and in some cases the two people might not have to do anything at all. If they're close enough and if they've got the right kind of cell phones, those cell phones may automatically exchange information without the person having to actually do anything. And again, rarely people might send a card, a business card, or even a letter to a physical address that would provide that information. Agreed. But the key thing to notice about any and all of these possibilities is that the thing that everybody wants, the information, has nothing to do with the form of transmission. The information will remain the same regardless of whether it's emailed, sent via the post office or messenger, or even whether someone sent it using smoke signals, Morse code, or whether they carved it on a clay tablet and dropped it off at their house. The information, the object of the transmission, is completely independent of the mode of transmitting it from one party to another. So what you're saying is that the content of the information has nothing to do with the method of transmission. And to carry that thought a little further, the information content has nothing to do with the matter or energy that goes into its production, transmission, or retention. We can type one set of characters on a keyboard and say one thing, and we can type another set of characters on the same keyboard and say something completely different. The same set of plastic, copper, and glass can produce a recipe for tiramisu or the instructions for building a nuclear bomb. We can use a pen and paper to send someone our address and phone number or to give them the location of buried treasure. Exactly. The nature or content of the information has nothing to do with the chemistry or physics used to produce, transmit, or store the information. The same chemistry or physics can produce a treasure map, a diagram for building a house or building an airplane, or a formula for a life-saving medicine. You get the idea. So then the question arises, exactly what is information? I see where you're going. Information is real. Information has content. Information tells us what is going on in the worlds of chemistry, physics, or biology. 
But information is not dependent on any of those things. Information can affect chemistry or physics, but it does not arise from chemistry or physics. I suppose another way of saying the same thing is that the information is not dependent on the matter or energy, but matter and energy are used in the transmission or reception of information. When you start to look at it closely, information is a tricky sort of thing. Information is a tricky sort of thing because the information itself is non-material, but we can perceive it, record it, store it, and transmit it by material means. The fact that information is non-material is a very important attribute for us to take note of. Information may be transmitted, stored, or received by material means, but none of that affects the information itself. Nor does the type of material being used to transmit or store the information matter at all to the information. The same chemical formula can be written on paper, appear on a computer screen, be etched into stone, or simply memorized by a person, but the formula, again the information, remains the same. The non-material nature of information is going to be a key fact that we will revisit frequently during this series. Here's an obvious question. If information is non-material, does that mean it's spiritual? Christians, of course, acknowledge the reality of the spiritual realm. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 is one of the best-known verses in the Bible, and it says, quote, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm, unquote. When we say that information is non-material, we are definitely not saying that it is spiritual. By saying that information is non-material, we are noting that information, as a component of the created order, is present and evident in what we might call the natural world. It's just that in the natural world, information cannot be measured by any one of the same units that are used to measure and express the attributes of matter or energy. According to one of the articles that Dr. Git wrote for Creation Ministries International, a physical magnitude is a, quote, system of units that has seven base units, mass, length, electrical current, temperature, amount of substance, luminous intensity, and time. All physical quantities can be expressed in terms of one of these base units, for example, area equals length times length, or by a combination, by multiplication or division, of several base units, for instance, momentum equals mass times length divided by time. This is not possible in the case of information, and therefore information does not possess physical magnitude, unquote. Exactly. Speaking somewhat technically and precisely, information does not have any mass. Information is massless. All matter involves mass, which can be weighed in a gravitational field. Similarly, information, though it can be transmitted by energy, is not created by energy, nor does it interact with energy. Thus, information can be distinguished from other massless entities such as photons because photons are massless, but photons are generated by matter and photons do interact with matter in the physical domain. And we know from Einstein's famous formula that matter and energy have a direct relationship with one another. 
You're referring to Einstein's famous formula from the theory of relativity, E equals mc squared. Yes, but while information itself is non-material, information is a present and integral part of the observable universe. But the spiritual realm that the Bible recognizes is not part of the observable universe. You know, in effect, there is a veil that separates the spiritual portion of God's creation and the physical portion of God's creation. We wouldn't know about the spiritual portion of God's creation if God had not chosen to reveal its existence in His special revelation, the Bible. So that is quite different from information, where we cannot avoid acknowledging information's presence in the observable universe. In fact, if someone wanted to deny that information exists, they would be using information to try to make their denial. Denying the existence of information is itself a form of information. As we have discussed at other times on Anchored by Truth, the concept of information is self-affirming. It cannot be denied without, at the same time, being used. So, that answers the question of how information, even though it is non-material, is not the same as a spiritual entity. Information's existence is easily and non-deniably discernible from observations of the physical universe. The spiritual dimension can only be known by a revelation from a spiritual being, which God is. The Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 24, tells us that God is spirit. So, where do you want to go from here? Well, I always think it's a good place to start when you're looking at a particular concept is by defining some terms. So, let's take a look at a couple of definitions for the term information. Why don't you start by reading the definition of information that we found in the Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary? The online Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines information as 1. Knowledge obtained from investigation, study, or instruction, or 2 the attribute inherent in and communicated by one of two or more alternate sequences or arrangements of something, such as nucleotides in DNA or binary digits in a computer program, close parentheses, that produce specific effects. Right. Now, the second portion of that definition is going to be particularly important to us in this series. It's particularly intriguing because even the Merriam-Webster Dictionary takes notice of the fact that DNA, which is a component of the cells of all living creatures, that even DNA contains information. You know, one of the episodes I plan on doing during this series is to do a whole episode on the information that is present in biological entities. In other words, the information that is present in all living creatures. But for now, let's just note that the Merriam-Webster Dictionary notes that information is, quote, inherent in and communicated by, quote, sequences or arrangements of something, and that these sequences or arrangements, quote, produce specific effects. Now let's take a look at a definition for information that Dr. Gitt has expressed in some of his writings. In an article that Dr. Gitt produced for Creation Ministries International, Dr. Gitt stated that, quote, We developed an unambiguous definition of information, namely an encoded, symbolically represented message conveying expected action and intended purpose. We term any entity meeting the requirements of this definition as universal information or UI, unquote. 
We'll put a link to this article in the podcast notes that are available on certain podcasting apps. So immediately we see some common elements between the Merriam-Webster definition and Dr. Gitt's definition of information, even though Dr. Gitt is being a bit more technical for purposes that he comes to later in his discussion. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary talks about, again, quote, alternative sequences or arrangements of something that produce specific effects, close quote. Dr. Gitt speaks about an, quote, encoded, symbolically represented message, close quote. Merriam-Webster says that the sequence or arrangement of something is intended to, quote, produce specific effects. Dr. Gitt says that the symbolically coded message is, quote, conveying expected action and intended purpose. So, both of these definitions are pointing to some essential elements that are inherent in information. Information contains specified sequences, elements, codes, and symbols. And those specified sequences, elements, codes, and symbols have been arranged or encoded for a specific purpose to produce specific effects. So, in addition to the non-material nature of information, another overarching concept that leaps out at us is that information is ordered, organized, and specified. So, we can be very certain, then, that information is an expression of intelligence. It has to be. Information cannot be the product of mindless, random, or undirected activity of anything. Organization and randomness are the opposites of each other. Nothing random or chaotic is going to produce a sequence of codes or symbols that is intended to produce a specific effect. Your cat might walk across your computer keyboard and generate a series of letters on the screen and might even hit a button that generates a print command, but that does not mean that the series of letters or characters you see on the screen or the printed piece of paper constitutes information. The product of your cat's activity on the keyboard is gibberish or nonsense. If the cat does enough walking on the keyboard, it might by chance generate a recognizable word like eat or two, but that still does not make the cat's production information. Information, as a component of the physical universe, possesses order, structure, specificity, and meaning. So we've covered some of the important concepts today, but is there anything else we need to discuss before we close for today? Yes. The big reason that we are undertaking this series on information is not just to have a philosophical discussion about information. What we want to do is point out that information undeniably directs us to the existence of God, and it undeniably directs us to the existence of God as God is described to us by the Bible. As we've seen already just so far in our very brief discussion, information is always the product of intelligence. So if information is present as a component of the observable universe, which it is, that means that intelligence must also be present as a component of the observable universe. Well, let's say that a little differently. You know, much of the time, our contemporary culture views the universe as being a construct that is composed of matter, energy, time, and space. And the atheists, some of the most radical among us, say that that is all that is present anywhere. That matter, energy, time, and space, that's all that there is. 
Well, when the atheists tell us that matter, energy, time, and space are the only things that are present anywhere at any time, what they are trying to do is to exclude the possibility of God's existence as a reasonable proposition. In other words, they define the universe in such a way that God is automatically defined out of being part of the universe that we can see. If all the universe is, is matter, energy, time, and space, the atheists say there is no evidence of God, there's no need for God, and there's no reason that we should believe that God exists. One of the most common objections to acknowledging God is that if God can't be seen or heard or touched, then there is no evidence of God's existence. That's a common assertion today, and is the attitude, usually unspoken, that underlies the assertion, you have faith, but I have science. Yes. Christians, by contrast, point out that not only do logic, reason, and evidence, and science affirm God's existence, but the notion that God doesn't exist always runs into irreconcilable conflicts and logical fallacies. So this discussion about information is simply pointing to another one of those conflicts and fallacies. If it could be shown that the universe were the result of just matter, energy, time, and space, Well, then ideas like the Big Bang Theory and the general theory of evolution might be sensible ideas. But as we have been discussing, the universe cannot be reduced to being just the product of matter, energy, time, and space. The universe as we see it around us contains and must contain information. In effect, you're saying that the observable universe goes beyond the material elements in its composition. That's very similar to the question you sometimes ask about whether physics plus chemistry can produce biology. That's the notion that undergirds the entire idea of evolution. The basic idea is that some chemical components eons ago randomly collided with each other. There was an energy source, though no one knows quite what it was, that somehow activated the chemical elements and voila, life started. But as you point out so frequently, chemistry plus physics does not equal biology. Chemistry plus physics plus information equals biology. Yep. The universe we see around us is more than just matter, energy, time, and space. Matter and energy are the material components of the universe. And the space-time continuum defines the boundaries within which matter and universe interact. But at a bare minimum, those four components by themselves could never give rise to life, even if they could somehow explain all of the inanimate elements of the universe, which they can't. This sounds like a great time to pray. Today, let's listen to a prayer of praise or of adoration for the Creator God, who set the cosmos into motion and established a home on earth for His people as He prepares them for an eternity with him in heaven. A prayer of praise for the Creator. Mighty and everlasting Father, you are a kind and merciful God. You have given us eyes to see, fingers to touch, ears to hear, and minds to understand. You bring us into the full and certain knowledge of your transcendent creative power. 
when men gazed at the stars and sky. They could perceive the depth, but not measure the distance. Through your grace, man now has the ability to understand that your cosmos is more supremely complex and vast than ever could have been known before. What mortal mind can fathom this magnificence? Praise be to you, Father of the galaxy, and praise to your Son who created at your right hand. It is because of his descent that we will one day be lifted up. So we pray and give thanks in his name. Amen. Amen. Is the Bible important in your life? Supporting Anchored by Truth with a contribution is an easy way to put your faith into action. The opportunity to help is available at crystalseabooks.com. How wonderful would it be for Jesus to commend us because we made His Word a priority in our lives and giving. We are grateful for your support and partnership. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage friends to tune in also, or to listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com where We're not perfect, but our boss is. And for those of you who need that website one more time, that's crystalcbooks.com. Crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-C-S-E-A, and books, B-O-O-K-S dot com. Thank you for your support.